0: Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to continue in our series that we started. I apologize. It was a month ago. Children, you may be dismissed to go to your class. Thank you, Adriana, helping with the kids. We started this series a month ago. And then, of course, I felt the Lord leading to preach that message to kind of how you and I can help those that are hurting. Then of course we had Mother's Day, and then uh, last week uh, Mike ran the services and thankful for that. If you're using the uh, if you're using the the Bible there in your seat, uh, you'll turn to page 1,666. 1,666. Don't let that number scare you. We'll be all right this morning. 1,666 six but we're going to continue in our series of don't quit and I'm thankful that Jesus is our Jesus is our victory and uh, in time of time of persecution time of trouble and uh, difficulty uh, Christ is there standing as our victor uh, if we know him as our savior and so thankful uh, for his ministry to us let's begin reading in verse number six of 2nd Thessalonians chapter number 1 it says seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you in other words god is god is always right in his recompense another way to another way to put it and this is, will be in the message he's always just he's always righteous he's always right in the way that he brings about the uh, the, the, the 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 recompense. In other words, we're we're always going to get what is due to us, and it's going to be just. Okay, uh, to them that trouble you, verse number seven. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day this morning as we continue in the series on don't quit i want to i want to preach a message entitled the judge is on the throne and i'm thankful that, that that God is on the throne and that he's and that he's fully capable of uh, rendering the, uh, the the judgment he's just and he's right in the way that he does so let's pray uh, one more time here this morning Father we we come to you and Lord we're thankful for your for, for your word and uh, God I'm thankful for the power of it. Lord I pray that you'd help me this morning to articulate uh, Lord what you've put on my heart. Uh, to preach this morning. I pray that our people would be uh, receptive, uh, God, to uh, what you have uh, for us here this morning. And uh, we'll give you the glory for everything that's said and done. Lord, I pray I would only say that which is uh, used, that you can use, be used to be edified with it. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. What we desire to do at Redwood from a week to week basis is to take a passage of, Bi- of the Bible and to Place ourselves under it. We do not desire in any way to come to the Bible to evaluate it. Uh, we want to listen to the Bible in such a way that it uh, that, that our thinking, that our feeling, that our that our choosing, that our believing, and our behaving will all be shaped by the Word of God. It would be very easy to come to the Bible, picking bits and pieces that you and I like and ignore everything else that might make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. But if we did that, we would only be a reflection of our own preferences. We would always be affirmed, and we would never be challenged. We would always be comforted, and we would never actually be a woman or a man that is changed. And so that is why we, at times, use the discipline of working through a book. And that's what we're going to spend uh, the next several months doing—just working through this book, going you know verse by verse, so that we can listen to what God is saying without necessarily deciding what the topic will be. Uh, and it's tempting, I'll be honest with you, for a preacher to kind of fit the message to what he guesses the people might like to hear. But I—I I don't know about you, but I'm not—I'm uh, not helped by those who only say what i want to hear i'm helped by those <coughs> excuse me that at times will tell me what i need to hear or sometimes what i'm not even aware that i need to hear and so what at, what what you what you and i need is we need the word of god this morning to to to, to speak to us and so let me ask you a question what if god was not dependent upon you what if god is not dependent upon us you could spend your whole life shaping a god to your own liking a god who loves what you love a god who says what you want him to say a god who calls you to live as you are already living but such a god is only simply just a projection of you right and so at the end of the day what use is a god small g that is designed by you a god who is shaped by you will die with you and a god that is shaped by me will die with me there's no passing on a god cannot help you our a god that we shape because there's no existence of that god apart from our shaping the bible has a word for our hear me our own ideas about God. And it is the word idolatry. See, in ancient times, idols were made from wood and stone and you know metal and things like that. But idols in our times, they're more sophisticated. They're not made with metal. They are mental. We hammer out our own idea of who we think God is and what we want him to be in our own minds. And that is why so many people see Christianity as a projection of human thought. It is a it is a vast moving argument of your Christianity. Ah, it's just it's just your human thought. It's just however you have shaped your god and they reject Christianity for that reason. Let me say this. If Christianity was simply a power play by the church, then they would be right to reject it. But what if God was before us? What if God is without us? And what if God will always be despite us? What if God is not dependent upon us? But you and I are dependent wholeheartedly on Him. What if God is abundantly good and you and I are a part of a world that is in rebellion against Him? What if God is love and you and I are running from Him? I've been studying the Bible for all of my at least adult life and this is the message that I find in it and I And I want you this morning to grasp it. God says this, I am who I am. And I am not whoever you think I am. God says, I am who I am. And I'm not whoever you have shaped me in your mind to be. And so God, He... He, he speaks to us in this book. He speaks to us in the Bible so that you and I might find him, so that you and I might know him, and so that you and I might enjoy him forever. And so we saw several weeks. I apologize that it's, that it's been a month now from when we started this series. But we saw that this letter of Second Thessalonians, it was, it was written to Christians who were being, who were being persecuted. Uh, we see in Second Thessalonians 1.4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. So persecution, you and I know, is that's always a that's always a terrible thing. A particular group of people are picked on; they're attacked viciously and repeatedly. And obvi- the, the obvious question for people who are experiencing uh, this kind of uh, this kind of persecution is where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? How are we supposed to not quit, Ryan? The whole series is to a people that are that are being persecuted and that feel like all they can do is quit. All they want to do is wave the white flag. Where is God in all this? Where is God in my struggles? Where is God in my finances? Where is God in my marriage? Where is God with my children? Where is God in the society in which we live in? Where is God in our government? Where is God in around the world where Christians are being slaughtered by the day? Where is God? Where is He? I don't see Him. So how do I not quit? legitimate questions this is the kind of thing that the people in Thessalonica would have been experiencing and this letter was written to really give them an answer to how not to quit and so what is this passage that I read here this morning verses 6 through 10 we want to we want to allow it to bear its weight on us this morning oh we're not necessarily going to like what it has to say but that's okay right Setting you up a little bit. We're not necessarily going to like it. But what is is the text this morning saying to us? Well, first of all, it tells us that God is just. Or that he is is righteous in his dealings towards mankind. He always does what is right. He is just. Let's see that in verse number 6 here. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. The justice of God will often not be obvious in this world. People who do good often suffer, don't they? And people that seem to be the most evil, they tend to prosper, right? Am I I the only one that kind of sometimes sees it that way? Good people tend to have to suffer a lot and mean and nasty people. They seem to prosper. But God is just. And even though His justice may be hidden now, it will become obvious when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's what verse number number 7. When Jesus Christ ultimately appears, not the first time, the second time, at His second coming, when He is revealed, listen, this justice it's not going to be hidden anymore. It's going to come to full fruition. And we see in verse number 8 what type of fruition is going to come. In a flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ the justice of God it's a it's a central truth in all of the bible god never acts one time out of vindictiveness he always acts with justice it's always exactly what is right you and i this morning we can have absolute confidence that you and i or no person will ever be judged based on a sin that they did not commit, because God is all-knowing. He is just. No sin will be punished in a way that is disappropriate to its offense. No one will escape the justice of God. God knows all things. Nothing is hidden from Him. No one in this world intimidates Him. No one has leverage against God power, and wealth, and prestige. You know what those count for with God? They count for nothing with Him. That means you and I can have confidence in the absolute justice, the righteousness. God will always do what is right. Okay? So this text tells us that God is just. Secondly, that God will punish that God will punish. He'll punish those, the text tells us, who do not know God, and who have not trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen to me, that is a very plain statement, but it has powerful repercussions. Let's see how Paul tells us again in verse number 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God, He's gonna He's gonna punish those that those that reject Him. He's gonna punish those that that, that that reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, that reject the cross, that reject His atonement for their sins. Because all men have sinned, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so what Paul is saying is that God is going to judge, God is in a just way, in a righteous way, he is going to punish those that reject him. Those that reject the cross and reject the gospel of our lord jesus christ and so what is this what does this punishment look like well how is this punishment rendered we know that it's going to be done in a in a just fashion or in a right fashion but what are the what are the descriptions well we're given a couple in verse number 9 who shall be punished with everlasting destruction and so we see that the first punishment is everlasting destruction. Okay, once you look at verse number 9. Nick, if you can go to verse number 9, please. Okay, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction? The combination of those two words is terrifying, but the meaning is absolutely clear. This is a destruction without end. Here's how Matthew Henry put it. In his book, Commentary on the Whole Bible, he says, It is always it, it is to always be dying and to never die. To always be dying and to never die. I say, Man, Ryan, welcome to Memorial Day, Sunday morning. I get it, man. I ought to skip these verses too. But that's not what we want to do. We want to allow the word, the word to to lay its heavy weight upon us. It's all it's to always be dying and to never die. You may say wait a minute right wait a minute how how can any sin deserve everlasting destruction you said you you just said god is god is just and 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 how can he how can he punish with an everlasting destruction. Hey, stick with me. The only way that I can try to answer that question, number one, I am not God, but the way that I can try to answer that question is to give you an illustration. I want you to picture maybe a middle schooler. And in class, he sees one of his, uh, one of his classmates come by, and man, he just punches him in the nose. What's going to happen? He's going to get detention, right? Okay, so now he's going to be in detention, and while he's in detention, the teacher comes by, and he just pops that teacher right in the nose. What's going to happen? He's going to get suspended, right? And then he just gets suspended. And on his way home, he sees a police officer. And he just punches him in the nose. What's going to happen? Most likely, he's going to go to jail for a period of time. And then he gets out of jail. And he's uh, there with a group of people. And and the President of the United States is coming to their area. And he's going to kind of walk along. And as the President gets really, really close to him, he reaches out and he tries to punch him in the nose. What's going to happen? Secret Service is probably going to kill the boy, right? In every case, the crime is precisely the same. But the severity of the crime, hear me, is measured by whom the crime is committed against. So my question is, is what comes from sinning against God? Everlasting Destruction. Everlasting destruction. So that's how it's described. This punishment. Oh man, so glad I came to church this morning. Hey, I can't candy coat this passage. You shouldn't want me to. Okay? Everlasting destruction. And then secondly, we are shut out or shut out from the presence of God. We get shut out from the presence of God. Second Thessalonians 1 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. To be shut out from God's presence and from his power means to be without hope. It means to be without love forever. James Denny in his book, the Epistle to the Thessalonians, he says it like this obey the gospel and you enter into light in which there is no darkness. Disobey the gospel, and you enter into darkness, in which there is no light. A night in which no morning dawns. So here's what Scripture, here's what, if if, if we're going to allow this, the, the, the weight of this text, if we're going to allow it to bear on us here this morning, here's what the Scriptures are saying to us. They're saying that God is always just. He's always righteous in his recompenses. He always meets out the, um, the, the 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 punishment is always perfect to the crime. He's just. He's righteous, and the punishment for sinning against God is eternal damnation, as well as a being shut out from the very presence of god and the bible in other in other places would call that place hell our sin against god deserves in a just recompense way hell say ryan that's hey that's what the bible says okay so this morning what is how does this how does this work for us okay when, 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 when is this type of thing going to happen? Well, this is ultimately going to happen when Jesus Christ is revealed. Okay? That's what verses 10 and verse number 7 says. For the sake of time, I'm just going to allude to say when Jesus Christ is revealed that the, the, the second time. Okay? So this is one of the hardest truths in all the Bible. I get that. No one likes to preach on hell. But here is something that I've discovered. The hardest truths can produce the most tender hearts. If you grasp this most difficult doctrine or the truth that we have tried to understand this morning, and we place ourselves under this truth, God can actually use it to soften your heart. God can actually use it to cause you to go be the church when we leave these doors. See, all we're doing right now is we're being equipped to go be the church. Oftentimes people think of the church as, hey, that's Sunday at 11 o'clock. No, 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 no. That's just the time where we actually kind of all get to get together. And that's why, man, if you're in town and you're not working, man, I'd, I'd be here. Don't miss. Why? Because we get to get together. It's awesome. We live in a harsh world. We get to get together with other Christians of like-minded that have trusted the gospel. And then you and I, we get to go back out into a hostile world and be the church. And so what is this truth? What is this, this doctrine that we have looked at this morning, not popular, I get that, but how do, we, how do we apply that? How do we apply this truth to our life? And so, what I want to do, I just want to spend a few more moments applying this truth to our lives. Number one, use this truth to sustain your faith in a suffering world. Because listen, if you've suffered at the hands of other people, or if someone you love has suffered as these Christians did, you're going to be faced with this question. How can I really believe that God is a loving God? How can I really believe that God is a just God? When so many of the good people suffer, and it seems like the evil ones tend to prosper, this doctrine helps. Okay, It helps. It tells you that you've not seen the end of the story. God says to suffering believers, to, to, to struggling and maybe persecuted believers, He's saying there's going to come a day when Jesus Christ... He's going to be revealed. And wouldn't it be awesome if that was today? We heard the trumpet. It'd be awesome. But there's going to come a day where Jesus, He's going to be revealed. And when Jesus does get revealed, you're going to see the full measure of His justice. You're going to see the full measure of His love. So use this to sustain your faith in a suffering world. I know that it's very difficult to go back a month from now when we started this series. But the reason why you and I cannot quit is because Jesus is our victory and we our faith gets strengthened in him. Our faith gets strengthened in him. And then the second point a month ago was love. And I'm going to talk about that here in a moment. And how Jesus, even while he was on the cross and while he was taking every step towards the cross, he said, not my will, but thine be done. Expressed faith in the Father. And of course He 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 laid His life down. No one can uh, the, 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 no, no greater love than this than a man laid down his life for his friend and Jesus Christ laid His life down for us. And so allow the truth here that God is just and that He's going to He's gonna take care of it, guys, to strengthen your faith. Okay? Secondly, use this truth to restrain your desire to even the score. Allow this truth to restrain your desire. See, the reason why is because when someone hurts you, your immediate natural instinct will be to want to hurt them back, right? They brought you down and you find a certain pleasure in bringing them down. So how do you restrain the desire to, to, to even the score? Well, you realize that, that God, the, the perfect, just one, he's going he's gonna to recompense for you. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make sure everything's taken care of. Look what Romans 12 says. Verse number 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God will repay. So leave room for his wrath. That's what Paul's saying. God's gonna take care of it. You don't have to take up his wrath. You don't have to take up the, the, the mantra, hey, I'm gonna get even, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show them. Let me ask you, how many times have you wished ill on people? I got a letter this week, oh man, I, sometimes I just want to squash people. I'll just be honest with you. It's like one of those letters that goes into, I don't know what it's called, I need to learn, File 13, I think that's the trash. When you read that, it was laced, I mean laced with one Bible verse, yet it was oh, its horrible. I mean, sometimes you're just like, God, just squash them. That's not good, Ryan. Is it my transparency okay? Right? Okay. how many of you have ever want to squash people? No, don't raise your hand to that. Hey, hey, hey. Leave room for God to do it. Here's why. Because God will do it in a just fashion. Because He's righteous and He's just and He's perfect. And so allow the allow the allow the truth that we're learning here. We're we're gonna go verse by verse. This. we're gonna spend but 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 these verses right here, allow it to be God, I, I don't I don't I don't have to win right now. You don't need to take it into your own hands when you know it's already in his hands. You can leave it to him. And it listen to me. It is on that foundation right there. That that verse right there. It's on that foundation that verse number 20 comes. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, you ask yourself, what is it therefore? Well, what we just talked about. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head and that's what i'm talking about coals of fire now you know what happens that love that you will give unto that person man it speaks measures to them i'm feeding them i hope they go hungry right i hope man someone told me they were parched this morning i can't remember who it was man hopefully you don't even get a drink right that's how that's so how often we are and it's, it's literally on the foundation that God's going to take care of it. And since God's going to take care of it, you and I, guess what we get to do? We get to love. Point number two from a month ago. I know it's hard to remember all that. Your faith, let it, let it stir your faith to God. Man, God, you're just. You've got everything under control. You're just everything. Nothing's taking you by surprise. And then you're gonna, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna help me to love. And that comes to our third point here. Use this truth to increase your compassion for people who harm you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be compassionate to people that say bad things about me that try to stab me in the back. That malign me, that lie about me. You know, I just want sometimes. I, are you? I, I hope. I hope this is okay. So I just want them to get squashed. You know what? God is bringing this text to weigh on me this week. That Ryan, you don't have to win with that person. I'm getting ahead of myself because Jesus already won. I don't always have to. I don't always have to work everything out so that I come out the hero because Jesus is already the hero. And it allows you to be compassionate toward people who harm you. I know, I know. We don't like it. That's okay. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring its weight down. Look at Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why can you do that? Because... You are leaving the retaliation into the hands of a just God. And so you can be an instrument of compassion. You can be an instrument of, of love. Anyone who suffered at the hands of another person in any way understands this, they they hear this kind of verse and they say, Love him? Love her? How in the world is this possible? Now, Ryan, I understand if the person came to me and they, you know, and they said that they were sorry and they acknowledged that they, they were sinful and they've and they've repented and they said, "Hey, will you forgive me?" Yeah, I can understand that. But what about when they don't even know what they've done, or even worse, off they've done it and they continue to do it? I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to love my enemies. I'm supposed to bless them. I'm supposed to pray for them. So, what are you? So, how are you and I are to to love our enemies? Again, allow this teaching this doctrine of Second Thessalonians to, to help us today. When you think about everlasting destruction, when you think about being completely shut off from the very presence of God, ladies and gentlemen, if you allowed that doctrine to rock you, you would never want that on anybody. Never would you want a single person to ever go to hell if you fully understood that it's everlasting destruction. It never ends. As Matthew Henry said, it's dying without ever dying. And then you are completely shut away from God. Complete darkness. We would never want that upon anyone. A deep grasp of this truth will help you to pray for those who have harmed you. Bitterness cannot so- survive long in a heart that has been praying. Try it. It's really sneaky, man. It comes in the back door and all of a sudden compassion's all over you for some of your enemies. Talking to Mike this morning about someone, it's like you know I'm not even mad about this. I just I, I I honestly I felt compassion. I felt I felt pity because this is not always the case. But this morning I prayed for the person, and so God's trying to help me. You take this weighty weighty thing about this eternal destruction that God is just and that He will punish. God God will, but you and I we can understand this, and this brings to our Fourth point, and here's where the the, the the hope and help comes from. Number four, use this truth to help you understand what happened on the cross. Jesus Christ came into the world because there was a future catastrophe that you and I needed saving from. That's what I just preached. Our sin was sending us to eternal destruction. Our sin was sending us to an eternal separation from the presence of God in a place called hell, whether we like it or not. And yet Jesus came to save us from that future destruction. During his three years of ministry, Jesus did so much good. He healed the sick. He He healed the blind, right? I mean, He the, the lame, all kinds of his teaching was so amazing. It was so radical. He fed the hungry, That was all in three years of ministry. Imagine if he had a couple more decades. But what Jesus continually told his disciples and they never understood was, he says, hey, I came to die. Yeah, you see this healing and you see this amazing, you know, people uh, feeding and people that are no longer thirsty and things like that. But the real reason why I came, he said, I came to die. I came to be persecuted against. I came to be hated against. I came to be I came to be maligned. I came to be accused unjustly. The just one that was going to be accused unjustly. Oh, what he could have accomplished if he just had lived, some say. But my friend, he accomplished so much in dying. He died as a sacrifice. He died as a, in, in the great love and mercy of God. What happened is, is your sins and my sins, they were placed on him. Isaiah tells us all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, where we stand or where we sit here this morning is that all of us have sinned. All of us have come short of the glory of God. Of us and all of our sin. Here's the awesome news. All of it, the iniquity of us all, it was placed on Jesus. And so that's why Paul says hey, this eternal damnation, this eternal separation, this recompense, this punishment, it's for those that reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who it's for. So you're seated there this morning and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Listen, man, the pressure's off. You don't have to worry, <sighs> hell, No, Christ came to save us from that. And you and I, we get to understand, we kind of get to enter in a little bit to what the cross was like for him. Bearing our sins, taking our iniquities upon him, it means that Jesus bore our punishment. God says, hey, this is the punishment. Jesus stepped in and bore it. This is what happened on the cross, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions, ours. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, what? We are healed. Or if I can kind of put it into the vernacular of our message, we are rescued from the weight of this text. On the cross, Christ was punished for your sin and mine. He was shut out. He was shut out from the very presence of God. Matthew 27, Jesus. Christ, He's on the cross and He says, My God, My God, why hast Thou what? Forsaken Me. God, He literally turns His back on His Son. He is shut out from the very presence of God. Christ endured everything that hell is while He was on the cross. He endured what hell is like so that you and I would never have to know what hell is like. That, my friend is the heart of the gospel. That is what changes things. And so our series, as we're going to spend weeks and weeks in this, is don't quit. Why? Because Jesus is our victory. So you're seated here uh, this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't reject the gospel. Don't reject what Jesus Christ did. But if you have trusted Him as your Savior, allow... The reality of hell to help you suffer because God's going to take care of it it's gonna take care of it allow the truth of hell to help you be more loving and compassionate because here's why because if someone has rejected the gospel Their eternal state is hell. And so what God wants you and I to do is to love and bless and pray and show grace and show kindness. Why? So that way God can work on them through you. But God, but Ryan, I want them to get their just due. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. Do you really want that? I think in the moment we do but I think when you and I allow this text and, a re, and and allow the reality of what that recompense looks like to those that have rejected Christ my prayer is that we as a church, we as a body we as just a group of people here and we're, we're missing folks today I'm thankful you're here on a Memorial Day weekend but that we would never wish that upon anybody but instead it would Bring us to a place of compassion. And then ultimately, we would realize that Jesus is our victory. Jesus went through everything here on this earth so that we could be victorious on this earth. He won so that you can be maligned. He won so you can be lied about. He won so you can fail. He won so that you and I can stumble through life and have emotions of, man, squish that person. And so you and I can rest in his victory. Because if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me. The text from 2 Thessalonians, it doesn't apply to you. And so you and I ought to have a life's goal of helping as many people as we possibly can to understand that they don't have to have this if they'll simply choose the cross, if they'll simply choose Jesus. I want you to think about this for a moment as as we wind up here. Do you realize that God's grace often, hear me, we're almost done. Don't tune me out, please. God's grace often advances in your life Through difficulty. Often it might be through a difficult marriage. God wants to advance His grace in your life, maybe even through difficult, rebellious children. Through sickness. Through financial loss, maybe. Maybe even through a loss of reputation. God often uses the hardest things in your life To make you like Christ. The trials of your life. Are the the setting. In which God. Desires to make. His grace. Blossom. And So if I can encourage you. To kind of. I'm going to springboard in kind of to the next message. And the next kind of going forward. We're going to kind of move on from. The eternal destruction. But as you are. Evaluating your life you're evaluating the difficulty and the struggle of it, can I encourage you to actually see it as the very arena in which God is, oh, hear me, God is displaying His goodness towards you. Why? Because He's always just. He's always right. And sometimes He knows just what we need to display His grace. The challenge to you is to accept that. To accept the word. Place yourself under it in the weeks to come as we allow it to bear its weight on us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you right now to just thank God for the cross. In just a matter of minutes, we're going to partake of the Lord's table. And it's the body and the precious blood of Jesus Christ that I can stand before you and say, Man, don't quit. Don't quit. Jesus won on that cross. This was the cross of Jesus was not a was not a loss. It was a victory in the realest sense thank Him right now for it. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you please listen to me right now? You can, before you leave here today, know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the description of hell that I just read from will not be your eternal destiny. That your eternal destiny can be found in heaven. A place of beauty. A place where the presence of God is. The presence of love and all of the hope in the world. But the only way that's going to be your destiny is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Realize that you are a sinner and that Christ is the great Savior he bore your sin. Put your faith and put your trust in him. Acknowledge that you are a sinner. Acknowledge that he is your savior and you will be, according to the word of God, born again and on your way to heaven.